or hold on to somebody this morning so they don't feel like they're being picked on or whatever. And if I say something that you know strikes the person sitting beside you, normally we would say don't, don't look at the other person, look at myself. But if you know that person beside you needs to hear this, you give them a, give them a nudge. Tell them this one's for you. I mean, it's okay. Tell them. See, y'all been taught so long the weak ways of Christianity. Oh, don't say nothing to offend people. Offend them with the truth. Amen. Amen. If they don't know they're in sin, if they don't know that they're in need of Jesus, Amen. I thought Pastor was different this morning. I am. I am. Let's, uh, let's go to the Word. You ready? I got, I got to go to work. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. And Megan, you've done that to me again. You can't see. Put that back on. Y'all, okay, just relax a minute. She ain't hurting me. Ow. Your baby did it. She took it off my face this morning out in the lobby. So I'm blaming the baby. Y'all right? Hey, would y'all smile? I mean, act like if you don't, if you don't like looking at me, just act like you love Jesus. Just do it that way. That will help me. I know I'm not the best looking thing in here. Well, well, all right, anyway, let's go. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. If you mark in your Bible, you need to mark the beginning of that verse and the end of that verse. I've taught you many times on this. When anything is repeated in Scripture, somebody is trying to get your attention. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, I might, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure and infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to read this to you out of the message. Because of the extravagance of those revelations. And so I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Now it's making sense, isn't it? Satan's angel did his best to get me down when he, in fact, what he did, in fact, was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged. <laughs> At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. See, I really wish the first translation would have come out like this. 
kind of gets to the point, right? It kind of gets rid of the, the big, lustrous words and just breaks it right down to where this little redneck can understand it. Once I heard that, <laughs> once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. <laughs> I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weaknesses. Now I take limitations in stride. Y'all need, need to go, y'all need to put this on your, this ought to be a, a refrigerator scripture. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I'll just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. You know, here, here we're, finding, we're finding Paul right now being, being persecuted, I guess you could say. Being challenged, being questioned of some Judaizers that were now not so sure of his qualifications as an apostle. So now they've come up to him and they've, they're wanting, who is this guy? He doesn't even, he hasn't done, he hasn't. Did. And the more we read in Paul's writings, you'll find that Paul doesn't say a whole lot before he starts beginning giving his testimony. Isn't it amazing? How do we overcome and he begins to give his testimony. And if you, if you go back into like uh, the beginning of verse, well, let me, hang on. I got my Bible. Let me look at that. Go back to the beginning of chapter 12. It says, it's doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I mean, he's, they're questioning him, his qualifications on why he should be an apostle. And he goes through this thing and he begins to talk to them about not boasting and the things that he is going to boast in and the things that he's not going to boast in. But he was very quick to let them know that he went to the third heaven, but he'd done it so, so humble because he began to speak in third person. He said, I know a man, whether in this or whether or not, went to the third heavens. I've seen things that I am not able to speak of. I mean, he has done all of this. He's gotten all these great revelations. And he's going on and telling them everything. Well, just so you don't leave here thinking that he isn't who he says he is. He said, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man, this is when he's talking about third person, in Christ, who 14 years ago, this was him, whether in the body or I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up in the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise. And he heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast. Except in my infirmities. He's saying, I can, I can boast in what's happened with me. God took, God took time out of his day, a day that I was on my way to persecute Christians. I was on this road to Damascus. And there was a moment when Jesus himself came and revealed himself to me. Y'all remember the story? Why are you 
persecuting me. It's better for you just to kick against the pricks. Why are you coming against me? And he immediately knows that it's Jesus. And for 14 years, he runs off and learns of Jesus. He had, he had an expression of God's grace that day. It wasn't in his achievements that God come to him and done in him what he has done that caused him to write 13 epistles in the New Testament. <laughs> See, too many times we think that we have to do this and we have to do this for a certain amount of time before God gives us How many of you done it? How come on. You How many times have you gone to God and the first words out of your mouth because you've been taught this about the repentant you go to him and you say I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that, and I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that. And now I need I need I need I need can you what are we trying to do? We're trying to make ourselves appear to be. Can I tell you that you can be in your worst state, and you were, and God will still show up, and he did, and save your wretched self. Some of you just been nasty, and Jesus showed up and saved you. You didn't, Miss Pat. You didn't come to him dressed all in your glory. He came to you and clothed you in his righteousness. Yes. Can you, oh, can you imagine, man, it just takes me back. It takes me back to the picture in the garden. When they did not deserve the grace. See, that's why I get twisted when pastors teach about, teach about, well, the Old Testament's law and the New Testament's grace. No! The whole Bible is about God's grace. And it started in the garden. At their weakest point, God became strong. See, how many of you know that there are things in your life that just have to happen for you to understand it? All right, let me break it down like that. How many of you, how many of you had to have a, I'm going to say this on air, a butt whooping when you was growing up just to get you to understand? A to the men and the women. Right? This is how God's grace Works. This is why God's grace is so effective. Because there's things that we disregard as God's grace. And we're going to open up this text. And we're going to find out that some of the very things we experience in life is God's grace. Oh, it might not look like it. Paul didn't recognize it at first. Paul, Paul said he went to Jesus three times. He went to God three times. Take this thorn from me. I get rid of this. I don't want. And he didn't recognize that the thorn that he was speaking of was God's divine sufficiency. It was the gift of grace. And Paul didn't recognize it just like you and I. Because if things go upside down in our life or things don't begin to happen the way that we want them to happen or, or we have this issue in life or that issue in life, we, we have a tendency to push back on it and say that's not God.
Look at this. <coughs> a thorn in the flesh was given to me. It was given. It wasn't paid for. It wasn't earned. It wasn't justified. It was given. A gift. Isn't that how gifts are given? See, well, most of y'all, some of y'all are just, here again, you're still in the nasty state. So we're trying to work all of that stuff out. You know, I'll let the Holy Spirit just get inside that he'll take care of that. But some of you are still nasty. You don't give anything unless you think someone is deserving. Good morning. See, why ain't y'all amening me there? Nobody even, you know what, y'all didn't even, this is how I know when the Holy Spirit convicts a person. Most of them go. Because you have no response. You can't, you can't get back in God's face and say, but, but, but. See, when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on a problem, the best thing that you can do is give it up. The Holy Spirit's not coming to you. He wants you to have the good things in life. Because if he wanted you to have anything other than the good things in life, he would be going against God's scripture. God said he withholds nothing good. Y'all gonna make it hard this morning, aren't you? I am trying. But this is what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying, wait a minute. This thorn was given to me and I went to God and I said, hey. I need this thing gone. Have you ever went to God and said, hey, I need this thing gone. I, I know I have. I've probably done it this morning. It's not until this thing will not be gone that we recognize his grace for us. Because we've got we've to realize this. If God will bring you to it, he'll take us through it. Amen. That's God's grace. Yeah. We don't like being led to anything. We want to get over it or we want it to be over with God take it from me and if God don't take it from me well I must have done this wrong or my aunt done that or my uncle did this and well I didn't go to church enough I didn't do that didn't. and that's when we start the first thing that we start doing is going after what we haven't done when we experience life Y'all going to make me hot. This is supposed to just teach. I want to teach you about God's grace. But there's something about God's grace that gets me worked up. I get a little lathered up when I start talking about God's grace. Because I remember where I was. I remember who I was. There's something to say when you can look over your shoulder and see what God has brought you out of. I never expressed, or I never, I, I never considered, I never considered the, the way that I was brought up. I never considered my early years in life as the grace of God on my life. Walk with me just a minute. Because see, I grew up in a, in, a, in a state where, look, we didn't even really know that college was even a thing for people like us. Let me, let me help you. Everybody's going, what? We were so poor, we knew we couldn't afford it, so it was never an opportunity offered. Now you follow me? IRA401K Roth who? What? You got to have something.
That stuff wasn't afforded to me. Tell them, baby. I, I didn't know. I didn't know what was available to me to help me through life. I considered it a curse. I know you. Okay, whatever. I'm just telling you from my perspective. See, Paul, give his testimony. I'm trying to give mine. Some of you ought to try to give yours when you're talking to someone about the love of Christ. Instead of beating them over the head with the scripture, why don't you tell him about the love that he shared with you one day when you was on the street corner, one day when you had the knife to your own throat, one day when you had a handful of pills, one day when you were staring down the barrel of a gun. Why don't you tell them about the love of Christ that day and see if that won't change their mind? But we're so hung up. But anyway, you'll get me preaching. I didn't consider what I was brought up in and the environment that I walked through to be what it is today. Everybody talks about, well, I'm a product of my environment. If that is your excuse in life, you need to get a life. Because I know someone that came and afforded me something more than what anyone else could have ever put at the table of my life. I shouldn't be here talking to you. You got a college education? You do? You should be talking to me. But guess what? God's grace was sufficient. See, something happened. There was something I was trying to take away. God, I want you, why don't you move this from me? I wish that I had. I wish that I could have gotten. I wish that I was given. God, why not? Why not? And he said, see, you don't feel it like I feel it. God's grace. Michelle, I told you you came on the right day, baby. It's sufficient. She told me, she said, my mama said, devil been hard at work this week. And I said, yeah, but he just didn't know he was being worked in the hands of Jesus. Because his grace is sufficient. I wonder how many of you have sat here And maybe not have experienced some things that others have experienced. Maybe you've experienced less than what others have experienced. And you look at their life and how much greater they appear to be. And how much lesser you feel. Have you considered your infirmity? Your thorn? The grace of God. See, Paul said, if, if, I if I was able to boast, I could boast. Because I've done things that none of you have ever done. I could boast, Paul said. Oh, I could tell you a thing or three. But wait a minute. I got to tell you something else. <laughs> I am who I am. Because God says who I am. See, we, I, I, fear, I fear that society has, has bred a, an, an ideology within our communities. And they've said that, well, you can go and make yourself something more. If you apply yourself. Now, listen, I'm not against. Not against making yourself better. I'm the last person that will ever condemn you for making yourself better. I will be the first one to condemn you for sitting on your butt not trying to make yourself better. So don't come to me. Jesus, help me. But what has happened is now people, when they achieve something, 
their achievement becomes their God. Well, look what I did. I don't care how many diplomas you have on your wall. I really don't. I'm not condemning, but I really don't. I don't, I don't care how much money you got packed up in, your, in the folds of your wallet. I'm not condemning, but I don't care. Why? Because his grace. See, you've got, you've got to have to. You and I were talking one day. And being brought up in another country. See, there was no fix it like this. There was no money for medicine. There was no this for that. There was only one thing. See, we the first one, we snatch our babies up and run to the ER. And after everybody has done all their tests and stuck with all the needles and has done this and flipped their babies upside down and has washed them and has rinsed them and has done all this other stuff and there's still nothing they can do. And then we go home and then we just wonder about what's going on. Then we try home remedies and mama says and we do all of that other stuff. And then one Sunday morning we get a bright idea. I'm going to go to church. All I have left to do. Let's pray. <laughs> boy, oh boy, won't God take us to places? Won't he take us through places to get us to realize and to recognize the grace that he has for you and I that he gives so graciously without your deserving? Ain't he good? See, you've got to, oh, I want you to know this grace I'm talking about. This divine sufficiency. Because where you lack, he's full. <laughs> what you're wanting, he has. Does that, does that work better? What you're wanting, he has. What is it you're wanting? I want to get into the whites of some of y'all's eyes. What, what is it that you're wanting? What is it that you're needing? Where are you looking? What have you put before him? Are you tired? Those that wait upon the Lord. Well, I've been waiting. I ain't talking about sitting down at the house being lazy. I'm talking about applying, applying the principles and the precepts of God's word to your life. That's called waiting upon the Lord. Those that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagles. Those that wait upon the Lord, those that grab this promise and those that grab that promise and those that snatch a hold to this covenant and those that snatch a hold to that covenant and applies it to their life and begins to walk out the steps of the righteous. We're not talking about that. We're talking about grace. <laughs> like many of us, life takes us in a place where we find ourselves defenseless and hopeless. That we understand the importance. Is it hot in here? That we understand the importance of the grace of God in our own life. You don't really know how much you need Him until you need Him. You think you got it together? Life is just... <laughs> It's giving you a bed of roses. You've just tiptoed through the tulips all your life. You don't. Can I tell you that without God's grace, you would not be even who you are right now, the wretched man that I am now. See, God, oh boy, God knows how to work Paul. He worked Paul completely over. And if you don't read the Paulines, buddy, Something's wrong. Because he can teach you a thing or three. Yeah. 
or 12 or 15. Depends on how much time you got in your day. But he would say, oh, wretched man, who will save me from me but God? <laughs> who will save you from you but God? God's grace, it is sufficient for you and for me. You can't look at someone and go, oh, if I just had... Preach it, baby girl. Preach that. See, if y'all want amen, and I know the babies will. Get it, girl. Receive it. God may not always take you out of a situation, but he will get you through it. That's God's grace. This was an interesting thought. While pondering, how many, how many of you know that the gift of grace comes in forms of humility? We're talking about God's grace. See, follow with me. Let me take you through scripture just a couple. I want you to understand. For Noah... It was the ark. That was God's grace. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Oh, the persecution. Oh, girl, the preaching of what has never been seen that's to come. Not for a day. Oh, it's easy to go out and hold up a sign for a day and say, Jesus loves you. But what about next week? (laughs) Every once in a while, somebody passed by and, oh, hey, he's saying, And put it back in your pocket. And then next month, next year. Oh, it might be a, oh, hey, Jesus loves you. And then maybe two years from then or three years from now, you done forgot all about Jesus loving anybody. You think he just loved you. And then maybe 10, 15 years, you forget that he even loved you. See, for Noah, the grace of God was the ark. For Abraham, for Abraham, the grace of God was Isaac. Oh, you don't think that that was a that was a problem? The weight, God, I'm old. Or I wish he would have put it in the scripture and said, "God, don't you know that woman old?" But he didn't do that. But the grace of God for Abraham was Isaac. The grace for David was Saul. Oh. David had already been anointed king, but David had to go and serve the king. And David could not kill the king. He walked in humility, in the grace of God. Scripture said that he could have killed him, but yet he withheld his hand. He took out a knife and he cut his garment. The grace, the grace of God. For Jesus, what? Yeah, for Jesus, it was the flesh. God's grace had to bring him through it. He went through everything you and I ever go through. The grace of God appeared in flesh. For Jesus, the grace of God was flesh. For you and I, for you and I, the grace of God was the cross. The humility of inhumanity. Stretching our king from post to post. Whipping him as a robber or a thief or a murderer. Beating him. That was our grace. And yet we, we, don't, we don't appear to see that much anymore. We, 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 we run to the cross. We, we repent of our sins by repeating a prayer. And we leave the church house. And we live life just like we've always lived it before. Except the ideology that we said, God, forgive me. And the Bible says those 
They're not all that will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They'll, they'll, they'll scream, Lord, Lord. Just because you know of him doesn't mean you know him. You have to come to an understanding and a realization of his grace and accept the free gift that was given for you and I. God's grace. This is, this is the thing that Paul is talking about, this thorn in my side. It has kept him humble all his life. Because what would have happened if, if Jesus would have taken that thorn? You've got to remember, Paul was very astute in all, in all areas, as my wife corrected me that he learned. <laughs> Paul had been there. Paul was at the top of the top. He knew everything about everybody. I mean, Paul, here, here this man is. He has killed Christians. He, he knew the law, the gospel, the, the, the Bible. He knew the law. He taught the law. But yet he would kill Christians. And God still come to him and said, Hey, why are you persecuting me? And he fell into the arms of grace. And he realized that without Christ, he was nothing. Yes. Just like you and I. We can fight through life and think we're succeeding. And I was thinking last night, to gain the world and to lose our soul, yes. is that even a matter that we should ever consider. Why? Why do we chase such things that are temporal? Chase, we chase to the point of divorces. We chase to the points of, 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 of murders. We chase to the, to the point of just injustice. We, 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 will, we, will, we will crucify someone so that we may be exalted. Because we've yet had our experience and our awakening on the road to Damascus. And this morning my prayer for you is that you get knocked off your house. <laughs> that you see a light. A light that will never grow dim. That's my prayer for you. See, my, my prayer for me, Charlie, is God, keep me humble. If you got to twist that little thorn every once in a while just to let me know, then twist it. Don't worry about my wham, 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 wham. See, that's like David when he was writing in the Psalms and we... Psalms, by the way, isn't written in chronological order. So chapter 1 isn't written before chapter 2 and so on and so forth, you understand. So chapter 154, he's talking about all these problems and everything that he's going through and God's not fixing nothing and God's not doing anything. So he gets into chapter 34 <laughs> and he wants to talk about praying to God and now I'm giving my supplications up and now I'm, I want to talk to you about it. And still nothing's happening. So then he gets back into verse 20 and then it's his praise shall always. See, it's when we get to the point of understanding that no matter what happens in life no matter what God is or is not doing he is still God and we should be on our face and we should be praising him through all of it why because his grace cry baby cry you get it baby and for Paul it's the thorn Everything that he has went through and all the things in life that he has faced, he comes to an understanding that the thorn is now not going to be taken away because this is what's being told. And I'm almost done. I'm getting ready to let you go. 
He said, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And, and, and Jesus said, this is what God told me. See, God needs to talk to you like this sometimes. He just needs to just tell you how it is. Some of y'all want to be so pampered and so babied all the time that you can't get it through your thick head, that God's not impressed. <laughs> Never mind. See, there you go again. Some of you hate me. Some of you write me letters. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, verse 10 says, starting out with therefore. That means something has taken place that has caused me to say what I'm about to say. He said, therefore, what? Therefore, my grace is sufficient and God is he is, he is stronger in my weakness, and therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities. Therefore, I'm going to take pleasures in reproaches. Therefore, I'm going to take pleasures in needs. Why? Because he knows that God's grace is sufficient. No matter what my need is, no matter what my lack is, no matter what my, my distraught being is, God's grace is sufficient. Sometimes God's grace hurts. <sighs> Pastor, you was doing so good there for a minute. Or at least I thought I was. I'm <laughs> hot. Jesus. What do you mean God's grace hurts? Because sometimes you don't recognize God's grace until you're hurting. And it's in the hurt you find God's grace. He give it to you. What a loving father. <coughs> One that gives me my thorn. He loves me so much that he wants to keep me crippled. What a, what a, what a loving father. It does keep us humble. And it keeps us from boasting on ourselves. My God, church. If I could, if I could open up a bottle of cough syrup, I wouldn't drink it right now even though I need it. But if I could open up a bottle of cough syrup and we called it grace syrup, and give each one of you a teaspoon. I would use separate spoons. Because I know how some of you guys are germophobics. Give you a teaspoon of God's grace. I would. Because some of us really need to take our medicine. I'm praying for you this morning that your road to Damascus is an experience unlike any other experience you've ever had in your life and that you would come to the knowledge and the understanding of God's grace. Now, I'm, I'm not asking that you understand all of it because I could, I could preach on God's grace for, from now until Jesus comes back and probably even longer and never get to the core. But we can, we, can un, we can peel it back like an onion. Just one. I love God's grace. Because I know what it done for me. I know what it can do for you. So see, no matter, no matter what you've done, you haven't done it like Paul. No matter how bad you've been, you haven't been as bad as Paul. No matter how much you think you know, you haven't known as much as Paul. <laughs> and if God will reveal himself to a man in his stinky ways, he also can do it for you. 
and he will. That's my prayer for you. Have you ever felt like you was riding down a dusty road on your horse all by yourself? Nobody cares. Nobody wants. Nobody needs me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody. And the whole time, Jesus standing on the side of the road. What is it that you struggle in? What is your biggest problem today? What is the problem that has not gone away? And it just doesn't seem like God wants to take it away. Maybe, just maybe, it's grace in disguise. Maybe he won't give you that job promotion somewhere else. Because if he does, then you'll come out from underneath good covering. (laughs) Never mind, y'all get it. Right? Maybe, maybe, he won't, maybe he won't let that other relationship happen because if he lets that other relationship happen, then the one that he's really wanting you with that's going to goose you when you're shooting eight ball. Did I say that out loud? It may never happen. But Miss Linda, his grace <laughs> was sufficient. He knew what it was going to take to hook this one. Little old goosey goose. Done. 30 years. Done. Oh, y'all get over it. It's church. You people. I'm going to start giving y'all white robes at the back door. Because y'all act like it. Y'all, look. If you can't have fun with your wife a little bit deeper into the marriage, husband, you got a problem. See, it's stupid little silly stuff for us now. You know what it used to be about? <laughs> the same thing it was for y'all. Same thing it was for y'all. Same thing it still is for some of you. Can I tell you, there come a day And you better be able to enjoy the company more than the pleasures. Come on, I'm preaching. Y'all just don't like it, but I'm preaching. Oh, I'm t- look, I'm just speaking the truth. Man, if somebody would have told me 30 years ago. <laughs> Shoo! Boy, I'd have laughed at them and said, you're crazy. That woman good. His grace. He's what makes us smile. He's what keeps us. He's what will take us. He's every fulfillment of what we lack. All right, now let's get to the text. (laughs) I wonder how many of you have considered your thorn a gift. Be honest with me. Have you ever considered... Your thorn. I'm talking about your thorn. That it's that one splinter. See, I, I was a welder for a, for a minute. And then I found out that David lied to me, so I didn't want to do that no more. And uh, he said it was a good trait. It started me off in high school. 
You know, go to general maintenance. Mr. Lacey, still remember his name. Go, Mr. Lacey, yeah, go learn how to weld. Get yourself a, and go in the Navy. It'll be fun, they said. <laughs> learn to weld. Be a welder the rest of your life. And one day, boy, uh-uh, hello. <laughs> nope, I can't do it no more. But I'm talking about the thorn, the thing that won't go away, that splinter I was talking about. It's a metal shaving. <laughs> How many of you know it's hard to see a metal shaving? J just a shave, just a little splinter. And it's right in the end of your index finger. And every, ah, every time you hit it, you get a tear. It just, and it holds like right on a mirror. I don't know what it does medically. I just know it. It hurts. That's the thorn I'm talking about, the one that you've walked with for most of your life. And every once in a while, you'll get a reminder. And you'll remember the insufficiency that you have. It's just doesn't happen every day, all day. It's just, it's right at the moment where you think you've got it together. And That's right. That's right. Oh, forgot that thing was there. <laughs> and yeah, oh, you're chewing on it and digging on it. And I, I put holes in my finger and couldn't find that stupid thing. And boy, it hurt. I make more pain in my finger by chewing on it and trying to rip meat out. And then I do the, should have just dealt with the thorn. <laughs> ever considered it a gift pastor you'd have lost your ever loving mind yep will you consider it today it's just a reminder see if I had one that would be a reminder of what I was not who I am right. see my past doesn't dictate who I it doesn't identify me. It just tells me some things that I've gone through. So this morning, if you're sitting in here and you just so happen to understand and you can relate that there's a thorn in your life. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the younger ones. Let me speak to your parents. The thorn isn't your children. The Bible says they're a blessing from the Lord. Blessed is the man that has a full quiver. Two was enough. <laughs> praying for you, brother. And anyone praying for you, brother. If you've never considered your thorn a blessing, if you've never considered your thorn the gift of grace, would you reconsider this morning? And would you look at some of the things that you walk with insufficiencies and see that there's a possibility that God is taking that and using it for his glory? See, God doesn't get glory out of your pain and your struggle. God gets, he doesn't get glory in it. He gets glory out of it. Because if we maintain our posture in who we are in him and continue to walk the path of the righteous... He'll get glory out of it. And then you can be just like Paul. Or Pauline. This ain't that church. This church that, yeah. You could be like Pauline. Yeah, the, the woman, yeah. Don't want no confusion here, Lord. I said that out loud, didn't I? Whoopsie. <laughs> by Facebook, by YouTube, for I get in any more trouble. But God's grace is sufficient for your life. There is nothing you will ever go through that God's grace will not be sufficient.
divine sufficiency. It's not in your power. It's not in your works and your achievements. It's in everything that he'd done on the cross for you and I. Y'all good? If you're good, I'll quit. Are you good? Look at y'all. I had a couple people actually said, yeah, we're good. Please. <laughs> See, that was the part I told you to just elbow somebody and go, say good. <laughs> Will you stand with me? <clears throat> Sometimes I wish I could just do so much better and give you some Dialogue, some, how do you, what's another word for it? No, they don't need no more theatrics, I think. Uh, <laughs> come on, some of you college folk. No. Like expressing it, like describing it. What's some of them words they use? You just, come on, you just got out of college, come on. <laughs> See, you have a thorn too. I just wish I could be more descriptive sometimes and just, and just peel back that onion in such a fashion that I just know that you get it and, you're, and, you, and then I leave and I go home and, and I talk about my thorn. God, if I was like... <laughs> he's told me if you were like you would be not, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you got a point. Sometimes we just have to embrace who God has made us. That's right. And God didn't make you any less than anyone else. You need to hear this. Amen. There's not one of you in here that is less than another. Right. See, if you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, and if you know him as the King of Kings, he lives in you. Amen. Get that, put that in your pumpkin. The Spirit of God, you better listen to this, the Spirit Spirit of God lives in you. This means you're not created without. See, I could pick any two of you and set you beside each other and I will find something in her that's not in you. That would help you if it were in you. I could find something that's in him that's not in you. That could help you if it were. Or vice versa. I don't either want y'all two to get big heads. I don't, yeah, he picked me because I got what they don't. Okay. Remember, God's grace is a gift and comes in forms of humility and pain. I love y'all. You're awesome. Do you know how perfect you are? I mean, really? Have you ever thought about it? Because see, I get to sit back and see all of you. As well. Maybe this is, God, this is, a, this is a picture from God for me. That he can see the beauty of his creation when he looks at it as a whole. See, if I looked at church 
as individuals, if I had to look at Mike and that was the only person in the church, and I, boy, I would have, I'd have some struggles in church, right? <laughs> but I get to look at all of you and what, and what Mike lacks, you have. What you have, you have. What you don't have, she has. What he has, you don't have. And what you have, she don't have. And I get this perfect. Man, I love God's grace. 